And I'm Kat. Welcome to Club Dead, the ultimate True Blood rewatch podcast you didn't ask for, didn't know you needed, and we're delivering it straight to you. <laughs> that's, that's just what's happening now. <laughs> Suck it. Deal with it. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> um, okay, so the thing I wanted to tell you. Yes. Is I've been listening to the Sookie Stackhouse series on Aud- Audible. Yeah. And- not 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 sponsored yet not sponsored but i do like audible thank you for the two free books this month um it is so fucking awkward having someone read you these books i remember it being so awkward reading it that too it's basically a vampire mills and boone so (laughs) it's so bad i Remember, like, I didn't read the books until I started watching the series. Do you know how awkward it is to watch the series with your mum? Oh. Oh, I'm so sorry. My condolences. <laughs> I, I remember, like, just watching it and then the sex scenes would pop up out of nowhere or there'd be an arse and me being, like, 15 or whatever it was. And oh. I'm just like, oh, okay. Wait, well, you're the same age as me. Did yeah, you? Well, like, I can't remember when it came out. Oh, I was like, was I 15 watching that? No, I can't remember how old I was. But my I, heart and brain. <laughs> I definitely, I know that I definitely wasn't like I was just awkward and inwardly just curling okay. up on myself. Yeah, folding in and trying to <laughs> dying of awkwardness, and my mom just being like, "Hmm, yeah, okay," and I'm just like, mm. "No, mom, not interesting." <laughs> um, <laughs> just suddenly interested in every grain of carpet. <laughs> so last night. Um, I took Ned out for his birthday dinner mm-hmm. and as soon as you get in my car and like turn the car on the stereo will automatically connect to my Bluetooth mm-hmm. which is the Sookie Stackhouse um, Living Dead in Dallas book two yep. and I'm like don't turn it off you don't want to hear this and then today we went to the movies and we're leaving and he turns it off and he's like I don't want to listen to your pornography <laughs> your fairy porn <laughs> vampire porn and just turn it off so i'm glad i've got him on board with how uh mills and booney the book series is i i am i am so excited i actually need to go back and read the books because i remember the books being terrible as well oh. and i am i'm so excited i am 100 percent committed to this my spine like curdles because it, it is so cringe i can feel like my spine contracting in me being like, just like oh, oh, oh my god your skin is your skin is actively crawling off your body oh. and just trying to get away from the situation and the thing is like i loved the books but um i don't i don't i don't know why do you do you think it's like just or uh, like they just haven't aged well I definitely don't think they've aged very well. Do you like? Are you an avid reader now, or yes, okay? Yeah. So you've you've just gotten better vampire porn, basically. I just don't read vampire books. Fair. Maybe that's what it is, and I think that um, you know these books and the TV series really mainstreamed that um, the vampire genre and propelled it and whatnot. And at the time, I think I was just happy to consume any kind of like vampire content. So this this brings up a question I want to ask you because we are both 
of a certain persuasion. <laughs> You've just given me a look of like, huh? We, we are both heavily, or we were both heavily in the emo scene growing up. And, we both- <laughs> so, and the emo persuasion. <laughs> the emo persuasion. No, so I say this, like when I was growing up and when this was like heavily being marketed and stuff like that, I was heavily like, emo and all that kind of stuff. Do and not say vampire freaks because I'm going to leave. <laughs> no, well, I was going to ask if you were a vampire freaks person because I know a lot of people who were into True Blood and were listening to the same music I was and were taking very awkward selfies um, in mirrors with side fringes and were into vampire freaks and all that kind of stuff. So was that the kind of person that you were? I was definitely a MySpace emo. Yeah, heavily. Um, that was how I learned how to code. Yeah, me too. <laughs> No, I don't, I don't, I don't even know. So I kind of got into True Blood because my sister had read the the first couple of books that had come okay. out. Because I think the book series came out um, like way, way, way before yep. the the series started. And my sister was like, "Oh, they're turning these books that I've got into a TV show." And at the time, I was like, "Okay, I'll read the book and then watch the show." Or mm-hmm. I was doing it simultaneously, and then I just ultimately fell in love with the TV show. Like I'm a huge Anna Paquin fan. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you? Is it is it the vampire well, freaks? <laughs> no, well, I was because we were saying earlier that we've watched a couple of episodes ahead, and I was having this thought because I'm watching. I got up to an episode where they finally go to Fantasia, and I went, "Hang on, I dressed like some of these people back when this came out." Some of these fangbangers, and I'm like, "Hang on." Was this what drew me to this god-awful thing that I love so very dearly? Because I went back and I realised that I had, I'd bought from Think Geek, back when Think Geek was a very big thing as well, a Merlot shirt. I had, I had a Merlot shirt. I don't know where it is now. It is probably in a landfill somewhere. Um, But I had one and that was, I was really heavily into this. And I can't remember if it was because... Um, I can't remember if it was because I identified with some of these people or what it was. I now am 30 years old and just being like, Jesus Christ, I am cringing at how bad this is. <laughs> and I was explaining to Jason that, like, I love this show because it is so bad. Yeah. I mean, back when we were, I was 18 when it came out. And mm-hmm. I, I, I just loved it. Like, I can't remember what night of the week it came out, but that was, you know, you weren't binge watching anything. No, on, it was once HBO. a week. You did, yeah, you. it was once a week. It wasn't a Netflix thing where it all came out and you were like, yeah. cool, I'm going to get this done in eight hours. No, you actually had to stick to weekly viewing and that annoyed the shit out of me. Yep. <laughs> because I was like, I need to know what happens. Yeah, I, I loved it back then and, like, I thought it was great and... Now I'm like rewatching it, and I'm like, this, this is, this is. I made mistakes. <laughs> there was, there were some mistakes made. What? But I also, I also look back at photos of me at 18. And I'm like, what <laughs> happened, that makes sweetheart? Sense. Sweetheart, why didn't somebody ask you if you were okay? I think heaps of people asked me if I was okay, but I was like, I'm fine. No, I was, fine. I was, I was a, I was a My Chemical Romance song. <laughs> Yeah, I was Helena in yeah. My Chemical Romance film clip. <laughs> I lived that life. Um, yeah, still do. <laughs> I still do. It's not a phase. Um, I, yeah, I really, I really loved it. And so, 
the entire series was created by uh, Alan Ball, who's done a couple of other TV shows. So he did um, Six Feet Under, which I absolutely loved. I don't know if you've seen that. I think I may have seen one or two episodes when it was on free to air. Um, yeah, because then it went over the sort of never sort of got right into it. But I have heard that Alan Ball does some really interesting um, some really interesting shows. Yeah, I didn't write what he's done after True Blood. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> well, think that would be important. <laughs> That's not important. Don't worry no, about that. No, not at all. So um, the TV show basically started because Alan Ball um, came across Charlene Harris's Southern Vampire Mystery books at a um, Barnes & Noble and was basically like, uh, this could be a TV show. And he pitched it and I think they gave him like a couple of episodes and were like, yeah, that's cool. And obviously it just absolutely freaking took off and mm-hmm. seven seasons later, uh, which is quite hefty when you think about like television now, you don't get seven, eight, nine, ten seasons like no. you do with this. No. That's horrible. And a lot of, especially with Netflix and stuff like that, a lot of them are only 10 episodes. I yeah, not a hundred percent sure how many episodes are in a season with this. 10. Well, 10 there you 11? go. I'm hang on. Let me check. Um, but yeah, they're, they're short season and you only get three or four. So it's, they're quite short, quite sweet, very story heavy. Whereas yeah. this was, yeah, it was seven seasons and it went through storylines quick, quite quickly. Yeah. Um, but there was always an overarching kind of thing going on in the background. Yeah, and that's what happens with this season as well, which I really liked because it stuck really quite true to the book, which I really loved that they were quite happy to adapt so much of the book to the TV series where a lot of shows kind of just, I think the other seasons kind of took it and ran with it. But mm. First season know. is 12 episodes. I just checked. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I wasn't too sure. I was like, oh, maybe it's the last season that's only like nine or ten episodes i think season seven is ten episodes yeah it's a really short not that anybody cares about season seven apparently but we're gonna we're gonna get there and i'm gonna have opinions (laughs) i'm gonna have things to say i'm gonna have so many things to say (laughs) so season season one episode one is I didn't even write down the name of it. I was just so heavily invested. No, okay. So season one, episode one is Strange Love and the synopsis that I have here on Binge, because that's how I'm watching it, is Suki Stackhouse is clairvoyant and constantly hearing people's thoughts, which makes dating a bit difficult. The arrival of vampire Bill Compton, however, changes her luck. How How does her luck change? Because she can't hear his thoughts and it's so nice and refreshing. I now, love this episode. I, I love it. I you 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 said that you love Anna Paquin and yes. I I hate her in this. Oh really? I love her in the X-Men movies. Yeah. Because that was like that was my first engagement with her. Um but I hate her in this. But I hate everyone in this. <laughs> I <laughs> No one's cutting a break. Nobody's cutting a break. Um, and I have to I have to put in a disclaimer here. When I say how much I hate Jason, I'm not talking about my husband. <laughs> okay. I'm talking about Jason Stackhouse. Yeah, I'm talking about Jason Stackhouse. Um, I have a note here that is, um, if you go look up the definition of fuckboy, you're probably going to find the picture of Jason Stackhouse. <laughs> and you'll probably find him next to the picture of the definition of STDs too. <laughs> 
syphilis, <laughs> chlamydia, all pictures of the yeah. stack house. Yeah. And so, like, I... The Stackhouses, the only redeemable person in the Stackhouses is Adele. Yes. <laughs> okay. One, she she's the only time I will ever happily be referred to as Adele. Um, but she is the only, she overlooks everybody and she's like, okay, this is fine. You're, you're okay. And I'm like, girl, you're, God damn it. Instill some goddamn discipline. <laughs> Just raise, you're, you're a Southern. Raise a thong to one of these people. <laughs> Throw a thong. Just and um, for people who are not Australian, Australian a th- I went to call it a plugger, and I'm like, no, nah, that doesn't help. <laughs> That's still Australian. Uh, a flip flop. flop. Not a piece of underwear. <laughs> no, um, a thing you put on your feet. Okay, hang on. Let's 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 start from the beginning because I we we were starting to talk about oh. the stockhouses. Okay. Okay, so I'm gonna. I gotta tell you something else. <laughs> so I only recently found out that Bonton is a fictional place. <laughs> okay, so the bar is actually real. Oh and, what? And it's I think in the last year or two years has gone up for sale. It is Ooh. actually real. The bar is real. I'm intrigued. Um let me let me see how you're gonna hear some typing quickly. Um let me see how quickly I can find. So, um, yes, I had once um, in a previous relationship that I had, I was we were going to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I have to go and see all the places that they filmed True Blood at. And so I added Bon Dom to my list. And then okay. I just haven't thought about it since. And, like, Shreveport is a real place. Like, it's a, it's a real city. Yeah. But Bon Dom is not. I love I love that you were like, I'm gonna go to this place. I'm gonna go to Louisiana. I'm gonna go to this place. I was convinced. <laughs> I was going to the to the real city. And then the other day when I was looking at um the synopsis, it's like fictional small town in Louisiana. I was like, excuse me? Evidently I lied. I read somewhere that the bar was real. Oh. So, okay, I'm going to shut the fuck up. Are we retracting <laughs> that statement? <laughs> I am. This, this, podcast is, this podcast is 10 minutes old and I'm already telling wild lies. <laughs> I read somewhere that the bar was real. Or maybe someone made a Merlot. Maybe. That maybe. Um, I still love the idea that you were like, I'm going to go to Bon Tonk. <laughs> bon Tonk. Bon, I always call it Bon Tonk. Bon, it's bon, bon Tom. Tom. Bon Tom. Bon, I think they just say Bon Tom. But I think it's because of the Southern drawl and my yeah. Australian accent just kicks in. I'm gonna like I'm gonna put a, a letter in here. I call it Bon Temps. Bon Temps. <laughs> the Aussie the Aussie Southern just kicks in. The Western Sydney Emmy, Bon Temps. Yeah, the Bon Temps. <laughs> anyway. So I really love the start of this scene because the girl that's in the car w- played Silver in Beverly Hills 90210. The <laughs> and I really like that show. I have a note here that says, please never play with your partner's junk while you were there driving. You're going to die. <laughs> I get so mad about that scene. I That is, but it just, they, Don't they do get, that. I get, 
I get so mad about it because like it's just such a it's such a very stereotypical thing of what I imagine yeah. like 18 year olds or 20 year olds who are drunk and doing like they're just driving through to where I think they're either coming from a party or going to a party or whatever and then he's like babe stop and they damn near crash into something yeah and I'm like you're maybe I'm just too old (laughs) maybe when we were 18 we were like that you know what I'm gonna do when I'm driving next with my boyfriend I'm gonna touch his dick (laughs) yeah I'm just gonna jerk him off it'll be fine I can't drive stick but I I can't drive stick but I'm gonna play with one So they're driving down the Stark Road and the girl's like putting her hands into her boyfriend's pants. But my favourite thing is she's like, what? I'm bored. And he's like, you get bored pretty easily. And her response is, I always do with you. That's an insult. (laughs) You'll need to go to relationship counselling. Go to therapy. Let's unpack this a little bit. I was like, you're turned on by that? Bro, she's telling you you're boring. Like, yeah, your reward is like sex, but Maybe maybe she's like just telling him that the only thing he's good for is sex. Probably. Yeah. Also like he's that. not a, like he's not realistically all that attractive. He's got the popped collar, which was very oh, reminiscent of 2005. Yeah, like 2005 fuckboys too. <laughs> Do you remember, it was like polo, those polo shirts with pop collars were like red flags. If you came at me, if you came at me with that, I was putting my hand over my drink. I was leaving. (laughs) We weren't at those parties. I wasn't wasn't even at that party. (laughs) No, but like if you, if if I, like the hand was over the drink, like it was just, it was, this this podcast is 18 plus fam. No, nobody should be watching True Blood if you're under 18 anyway. Nobody should probably be watching True Blood. (laughs) We're doing, We're doing it for science. Um, My, but they, so they so they go into they they stop the car very abruptly in the, the middle of a, in the middle of a road, um, which the is luckily time. yeah, that's like True Blood sold here. We have luckily, True Blood. <laughs> the 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 road is luckily um, quite empty. Mm. Um, otherwise, there would have been a a car accident. There and been luckily. A yeah, luckily our um, young couple who are quite clearly in love and not bored with each other um, <laughs> go into like a service station or something like that. It's a um, gas station. I, yeah. I believe in America they call it a gas station. A gas station, a, a servo. A servo. A servo. <laughs> it's, a servo. it's a servo that serves um, alcohol because. That blows my mind. I know. It's. But like being going to Japan, there's Seven Elevens that serve alcohol, but don't do petrol, and that blows my mind. You're like, how do you, how are you a Seven Eleven without no, petrol? No. I don't get you. Um, and there's a guy behind the bar who is very um goth. Dirty. He's got like the he's chains. Very so dirty. Yeah, he's he's quite dirty. Um, <laughs> but he's got chains and he's wearing a lot of black and he's got very greasy hair and he's quite like dark and tall and all that kind of stuff, even under the bright fluorescence. Um, and our young, very in love couple are like, oh, so y'all got like true blood in here. And our, our, our tall dark man reveals himself to be a vampire. Or does he? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Plot twist. But I love how she, they're like, y- y'all get vamps in here? <laughs> y'all get vamps in here? 
<laughs> Louisiana is a hotspot for the vampire. <laughs> My very best vampire accent. <laughs> He's he's such that's I think that's my favorite scene in like the first five minutes because he's so like stereotypical Transylvania. Uh 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 like what used to uh, seeing. Yeah, like I expect him to show up on Sesame Street with Count. Just doing a guesty. Exactly. The cat just pops up behind going, Yes, we get vampires, count them with me. One uh 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 And then, and then he's like, uh, "Good, because I could use a cocktail." Oh, I like, love that. Because they're like, "Oh, sorry, mate, we're just a little drunk." And then, like, the whole thing goes down. He's like, "Oh no, it was just a joke. Like, um, you should have seen your faces." Oh, I love and that. Then, and then the redneck behind them with the Confederate flag on his hat <laughs> shows up, and I love oh. the idea. My my one of and like I keep saying that it's like my favorite part. This whole scene is brilliant it's really cool because the confederate guy behind him holding the true blood in all of the camo goes first i'll fuck you then i'll eat you and i'm like listen i have questions (laughs) because every stereotypical thing that i have like or not even stereotypical but every interaction i've ever had with americans on facebook who have the Confederate flag on their hat, their truck, or their body is hyper-masculine, very straight, um, to the point that they probably are hiding some kind of, like, homosexuality. And so him coming up being like, first I'll fuck you, then I'll eat you, and I'm like, mate. i got no preference. I'll I crack up. And then those, like, the teenagers, like, run out of there. he flashes his fangs, which yeah, I think is so fangs. cool. I always giggle because the fangs pop out just past their like two front teeth, and where I've always had them, like I for like everything else, it's like a couple of yeah, it's like the cake lines. I'm like, oh, you all are cute. It's so not intimidating. It's so not intimidating because he's like, first I'll fuck you, then I'll eat you, or whatever it is, and it's like, <laughs> and you're like. <laughs> What was that? Where did you hide hide those little things? Imagine them doing that in Australia. Like Australian women (laughs) would be like, oh, fuck off. Piss off, mate. Yeah, get away. Get out of here. You're a grub. Um, So he actually um, threatens the bar, the the guy. And he's like, you ever pretend to be one of us again, I will kill you. And he, like, shits himself because he's like, oh, fuck, there's actually a vampire in here. Because I love the fact he's, like, pointing out the fact that Louisiana is, like, a hotspot for vampires and has clearly never come across one. Yeah. So he's, like, talking shit. He's talking out his ass. He's talking out his ass. Oh, God, I love that scene so much. It is, and it's it's, cool. it really sort of sets the scene for True Blood, like, this, especially, like, this season because yeah. it's kind of very campy, very not taking itself seriously, but still has that air of mystery about it yeah. because you can't tell who the vampires are and who the vampires aren't and all that kind of stuff. So you, it's very much they are walking among us. Yeah. And especially when you've got Nan Flanagan on the screen talking about like, you know, we, that we've just come out of the closet, like you didn't know we were among you. And yeah. this is this is a question that I have, right? So 
Nan finding it is talking to Bill Mayer and Bill asks her about how her race, quote unquote, has a documented history of exploiting humans and she counters with don't humans have like a history of exploiting you know, other races and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, okay, yes, we do. Like humans have a very long and well-documented history of exploiting <laughs> each other and murdering each other for no particular reason. Um, so I kind of have this question about like how do the logistics of that work? In so, what like, way? so like Nan starts, Nan was born a human, yeah. right? She was human. She was part of the human race. And now she's talking about being a part of the vampire race. Like, yeah. does she just completely discontinue, like, just completely abandon the fact that she was human at one stage? Or, like, I know that she references uh, references it later yeah. in other episodes. I think that's really interesting because they do talk about losing their humanity to a mm. certain extent. And then, obviously, as we get further into this, the, the series, we learn that they have their own, like, uh, code of conduct and their own hierarchy and all this stuff going on. So... Because they're a supernatural being, I think that they go under, like, they operate under this whole other, like, social expectations and morals mm. that um, are very contrasted to the human race. And because yeah, like, they're dead. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, because, like, realistically, their makeup is still quote-unquote human, despite yeah. the fact that they are dead. Like, they still have hearts, organs, they like, all of that jazz, like... Yeah, they, they, they have stopped on a molecular level. So, like, I'm just curious. And this is, like, the question that I always have about vampires and not necessarily anything else that pops up in True Blood um, or in, like, other science fiction, fantasy, anything like that, like with elves or anything like that because God only knows how elves work. Um, <laughs> it's always the meme of, like, how do you, how do you, what do you see with your elven eyes, Legolas? And, like, the meme is, like... Legolas' eyes must be telescopic because of the way that elves see the horizon <laughs> or something like that. His um, eyes are telescopic. Holy shit. <laughs> because science. Um, but, like, I'm always curious about, like, does it just stop when you are made? Like, that, like, do you, I don't, I, I need a chart. <laughs> I, need, <laughs> I need a chalk a mind board. map. Yeah, I need a cork board with push pins and ribbons and like a timeline. But like, I don't understand. What are we doing? How, do I, how does this work? How does this work? What are the logistics of becoming a vampire? When do you join the vampire race? When you stop being a human? Yeah, um, yeah. Like it's it's but, and obviously like vampires being fantasy, being not real that we know of. I guess. Um, whether you believe that they are or they aren't is an entirely different conversation. Um, but, but like in the book, um, Bill does discuss about mainstreaming and living amongst humans, which means yeah. that they have to also follow the laws and everything of humans. Yeah. But humans, like our, well, their law in Louisiana and the United States has also been changed to include vampires. Mm. in a way so like uh you're not allowed to murder a vampire because that's still murder yeah you can't drink vampire blood and but sell blood that's illegal yeah and but there's also the thing of like vampire human marriage is illegal yeah because it's i i, I think the the metaphor that they're going for there is um, interracial marriage. Yeah. Um, because <laughs> true blood is very subtle on its messages and its metaphors. Yeah. Um, 
so like I was always curious about and I was always curious about that when I first watched it as well as like how what what are the logistics there yeah that's really interesting and I'm sure that as we watch on more, we'll see more of it being. Yeah, it, I think it. I like, think it does develop uh, a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, developed out. and whatnot, especially in um, the season with the lovely cult that they have, the cult <gasps> of the sun. <laughs> God, I love the cult of the sun. <laughs> also, so, so I, yeah, I, have, I think it gets explored there. I have a note here about like because Nan also discusses that they've been out of the closet for the last two years, or I think it comes um, out that out of the coffin. Out of the coffin, sorry. I love it. Um, <laughs> I am so surprised that people are so accepting of vampires. In two years. In, two in years. Louisiana. Yeah. In 2005. We can't get people in 2021 to accept a vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> for, 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 for a very real disease, let alone people being like, oh, okay, there are, there are mythical creatures okay. that we didn't think were real the real like we were discussing yeah. them in fantasy fiction and all no. of a sudden they come and hey we're here um funny that yeah. in the books um Suki and sam have a conversation and i can't it, it is in um dead until dead until dawn or dead until dark sorry in the first book and she finds out and i don't think they do this in the tv series because i don't remember it being a thing but she finds out that Bill is actually dead and not the victim of a virus. And so the American Vampire League, who um, Nan uh, Flanagan is a representative of, have kind of spun this narrative in the books that um, that vampires are these victims of a disease or a virus. And so that's kind of made them more oh. in, like like they're more like palatable yeah and people accept them because they're like oh you've got a sickness that makes you live forever and do all this stuff and you need to have blood um and so when Suki finds out that he's actually dead she's like repulsed by the idea so it's really interesting that's interesting that they change I think I don't think they do that in the series no no she she straight up is like they, like there's a whole thing about how like they know that they're all dead. Yeah, that's interesting. That's a really interesting story change from the book yeah, to the TV a few show. Where I'm just like, oh, they should have put that in the series because it'd make it more, um, like the reveal would be a lot more climactic. Yeah, and it'd make more sense why people are just cool with the concept of vampires because they yeah. made a story around it that makes it easier for them to think about. Yeah, well, exactly. Well, doesn't have to think about it. As opposed to, oh, yeah, by the way, just a whole bunch of dead people just yeah, walking exactly. around. Exactly, yeah. Um, because you do have diseases that make you susceptible to light. Yeah. Um, and that kind of thing. I mean, I don't think there are diseases that make you want to sort of drink blood that I'm aware of. Um, no, but, I don't think so. No. <laughs> um, but, you know, you do have diseases that make you susceptible to light and UV rays and things like that. So I think grounding it in that little bit of... Um, non-fiction and like that little bit of reality would make it a little bit easier for audiences as well because yeah yeah people just being like okay cool vampires in louisiana in 2005 mm. and people are cool with it but people yeah. aren't cool with it which we uh, uh, actually i can't remember if because uh you're a little bit ahead of me because i um you're staying yeah. true to the, the form of the podcast <laughs> No, I have the worst memories. I'm like, I can't do that because no, so there are there are the rat, there are the rat trays who yes. attack Bill at the yeah, at the yeah. I'm thinking more about Bill's vampire friends that 
but when we get to that later, yeah. um, it's in, it should be in like episode two or three. So when yeah. I get to there, I'll be like, oh, that's not in the book or that's in the book. Yeah. Yep. Because I've been listening, <laughs> cringing and like curdling into and myself. Embarrassing your part. Oh. oh, I was like, you don't want to listen to that. You don't want to do that. <laughs> you don't. You don't need to listen to these very graphic sex scenes. <laughs> and that's another thing: the sex in this happens so early on. Yeah. Like, and it is sex it is yeah it is sex there are there are titties and shit just hanging out like everywhere yeah just then, lots of titties i'm pretty sure this series got an r18 rating here it did and it's yeah. hbo so i'm not surprised that there's titties i it, mean i'm not upset about it but no i'm not upset about the titties but like the first sex scene you get is ryan quanton performing oral sex on a woman oh yes it is very it was, uh, it was, whoa, yeah, it was a lot. And like, I, like, I'm, I'm not a prude in any way. Like, let me, like, I'm not, I'm, I'm sitting here, like, I'm not a prude, but like, I'm like sounding like I'm clutching my pearls. <laughs> it was like, it's, it's shocking to go from like where the previous scene was, which I think was, it was either the, the, the servo scene or they're in the bar. I'm not too sure which one it was. Um, to Ryan Quantum performing oral sex on a woman. It was straight from the service station to that. And you're just like. Yeah. And like the woman is watching like the real world or something like that. Some MTV like dating video. show. <laughs> and she's in, like, she's, she's on the, the precipice of orgasming and she's like holding his head. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Oh, she's right. intently this is watching. HBO show. She's yeah, like watching that show. She's yeah, she's it. like straight up trying to fucking edge herself or some shit. And <laughs> I'm like, listen, if Ryan Quanton in all of his gorgeousness is mm. concentrating on making me come as hard as possible, um, the like an MTV dating show is not what I'm going to be watching. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> Not, not my first, second, or Why third. Why is the TV choice. on? Exactly. What are you doing? Yeah, like there, there again. <laughs> questions. Just so questions. I think it's just um, a very well set up scene because we go from that, and that's we don't even really meet Jason in that scene. We see the back of his head, and that is it. <laughs> yeah, and then he's just like he notices the the bites. Yeah, and um, then it cuts out. From that uh, yeah, scene. and then it goes from a very intense sex scene to Tookie's face. Well, it does. It doesn't. It it, it doesn't quite. It goes from the. Uh, it it goes from a very intense sex scene to prejudice against vampires because he notices the bite and he's like, yeah. "You've been bitten." Yeah, and then we get into this allegory of or this metaphor of. Why okay, we- now we're talking about racism against vampires. Yeah. Um, and okay, women who are having sex with vampires are kind of considered the second class, um, the second class citizen and it sort of just starts discussing things about sex work and all this kind of thing. And I think that's really cleverly done as well. Yeah. Because at first she goes, oh, they're just skeeter bites. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, no, fuck it. Yes, oh, I've had you. sex with a vampire. I paid a thousand dollars for it. Yeah. Um, and it was probably some of the best sex of my life. Um, and then she's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I filmed it. Do you want to watch? <laughs> and then, again, into another really intense sex scene. Um, 
And 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 J- uh, Jason Ryan Quanton's character is like, oh, this could be really interesting. He then yeah. starts like exploring his kinks and stuff like that, and that all gets really, really. It just it gets so weird so quickly. In a it's sort of way, I find that True Blood explores sex positivity in like way before its time. It was really progressive, and it yeah. explored topics like I said it wasn't subtle about what it wanted to discuss yeah and it was really progressive for its time and I think it's still really progressive about a lot of topics yeah absolutely um I think sometimes it gets very heavy-handed or ham-fisted about what it wants to talk about and maybe it misses the mark a little bit because it I didn't like, age Whoa. super well. Yes. <laughs> um, it, it, it has not aged well, and I think that adds to its charm, like that pulp fiction-y kind of yeah. But, I mean, if you're watching it, it with context and you're like, okay, well, Charlene Harris wrote these books in, like, the mid-'90s or something, or late-'90s. Yeah. I, I honestly didn't check the date it was written. And this yeah. came out in 2005. So it kind of hits that, like, if you're watching it with context – you know what was going on around those times. You know how people were speaking. You know the language we were using. You know what the social topics were that we were discussing. But the fact that they go into talking about, like, sex work and sex positivity in 2005, for me, yeah, exactly, mind-blowing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that discussing – and I think that the way that it, a lot of these things are shot is that it sort of swings from the male gaze – in Malots and stuff like that to the female gaze yeah. really well because it is shot incredibly well. Like like we were discussing, that shot from the bar or from um, the, the service station to the oral sex scene where she's on the couch and Ryan's on his knees and, like, pleasuring her, it's such a well-framed shot. Yeah. I thought that um, when I saw it. I was like, okay, this is really abrupt. Yeah. But this is filmed really beautifully. And the fact that it's a female experiencing sexual pleasure as well. Yeah. Is like, like that's not uh, common in no. like the early 2000s for and TV. It, and it swaps because it goes from him pleasuring her to her pleasuring him when they're watching the filmed sex between her and the vampire. And I can't yeah. remember what her name is. Mordet. Um, um, Mordet, that's right, yeah. um, from when Mordet's having sex with a vampire and he's having this sort of con- crisis of conscience yeah. because he's like, holy shit, this is really hot. Like she's giving me this blowjob and, like, the sex is really hot, but I still have this really claustrophobic feeling kind of, like that's the look on his face because he's scared of vampires. Yeah. And that's kind of the the feeling that people have a lot about what they were discussing using the the, the metaphor of vampires about race and all that kind xenophobia. of stuff. I, I, yeah. Yeah, xenophobia and things like that. And the way that they shoot that particular scene is really, really well done. It's just really abrupt and really awkward to talk about because it's using sex. To explore those themes and that yeah. topic. Yeah. yeah, and it's not necessarily something that you would traditionally think about to discuss xenophobia by using two ridiculously attractive people (laughs) giving each other head. Yeah. And it's just, I think maybe that's a way that Alan Ball and his team kind of really worked well together to bring these topics in a way where people are subconsciously digesting that information without really hitting on, like they're not spoon feeding these conversations and just like, 
like um the different attitudes of the people like mm. here you go here's the information it's like you're thinking about it and going oh wow they're actually having this really interesting conversation without having that conversation yeah she's she's like clearly engaging him in that and I think like she notices the look on his face and she's like okay I'm going to make this a little bit more tolerable for him um by putting his penis in my mouth yeah <laughs> but like again it's 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 and this is going to sound really, really stupid in context. It's about making the conversation they're having more palatable. Yeah. Um, and the way that these people have done it, it the, the way that Alan Ball and his team have done it is by using something like sex. Yeah. Because sex sells and sex is a conversation that everybody can have, whether or it, it's a conversation that people can relate to, whether you are having it or whether you aren't or, you know, it's it's a universal language. Yeah. Yeah, so. absolutely. Anyway. <laughs> so, I don't want to say get so deep because I'm like, mm, oh, that's a that's bad. I, I te- technically, yes, they do <laughs> have some pretty intense sex after that. Like, yeah, a pretty, pretty, pretty rough, kinky sex after that. Like, so maybe he does. Hmm. I don't know. I'm. Let's just <laughs> assume. <laughs> let's, let's make an assumption just, on that. Yeah, let's let's just move right along. So I think. <laughs> I think the next scene is Hello. the bar scene. Yeah. Um, and we meet Suki. Yeah, we meet Suki Stackhouse. I love um, this scene. Her, like her introduction. Because yeah. they they um oh there's some real fucking awesome things she says in this episode as well. And I just yeah, it's awesome. Um so we meet Suki, she's this beautiful blonde. Um we find out she's 25. And I was just like, oh, I thought she was, like, in her 30s, but that's okay. I thought she was younger. Oh, really? I thought she was older. Just because from I, reading the book, she seemed so older? When I didn't read the book until after the TV show. So when she was introduced, I thought Jason was the older brother, not the younger brother. Oh, okay. I think, I think he's the younger brother. He, um, I can't remember. No, Jason Jason is entirely inconsequential with his age. He's literally there to Probably. be female gaze. Yeah. Um. <laughs> But I, I honestly thought when she was introduced, she's like nineteen twenty, because yeah. she is that sort of southern belle, vibrant blonde hair, yeah, in the ponytail, the 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 sort of Daisy Duke shorts, that kind of thing. Um, and then yeah, you find out she's twenty five, and I'm like, holy crap! Like yeah. it sort of brings a context to everything that sort of happens to her later. Yeah, absolutely. And I kind of appreciate that they didn't make her some, like, 17, 18-year-old dating, yeah, 17-year-old vampire. Thir- like, not even 30. Like, 150. But... Yeah. Yeah, like, a, a very much older man. <laughs> he was 30 when he was, well, in the books, Bill was 30 when he yeah. was a vampire. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think they discuss age in the. Not until, not until later and you sort of yeah. find out more about when he was turned. That's right. And I, I really love this because we can, we hear the bar buzzing, but we can also hear what Suki is hearing. Mm. And I, I like that. I, I love that she's telepathic. Um, it's the coolest thing. And it's, it's really nice to have this strong female lead. Like Suki, like whether you like Hannah Packwood or not, Suki as a protagonist is fucking cool. And yeah, the fact that, we're not actually. Let's not ruin anything about Suki, but um, <laughs> until we further down the track, what are you going to say? You've got a look on your face. I hate Suki. Oh, look, she's pretty. She gets. I like her at the start of season one. 
I I do too. I feel like she gets Mary sued. I sued? I feel like she ends up becoming like this insert character. Um, and again, like this is something we'll discuss later on down yeah. the road. Um, in the first episode, though, she again, like she's th- this telepath who is like really cool because you you sort of get this insight into not only her, like with her walking around the bar and hearing the buzz of the, like you said, the buzz of the bar behind her, but like yeah. hearing into the thoughts of the bar patrons because you hear the guy in like the first. Um, patron she served being like please jesus just let me have this yeah. one beer and then like he's obviously struggling with something and then like you the hear teenage boy. the teenage boy being like man i can't believe i'm in this bodunk town and i gotta get out of here and excuse my very terrible southern accent but i there. love that she says to him well you better do it soon otherwise you're gonna get stuck here yeah because like, yes. because she slips up yes yeah. that's, that's that's quite clearly her slipping up yeah. And losing that little bit of control that she feels over her power. Yeah. Or what she what we perceive as power, but she probably perceives as a bit of a curse. In the book, uh, she refers to it as a disability. Yeah, I I remember that and I hate that. I hate, I hate it. it's it's very much of its time. But it changes. She eventually calls it her gift or her ability. So it yeah. does it does change like the her her dis- language of it. Yeah, yeah I yeah. I do remember reading that. I hate the way that it is phrased or it is framed oh, yeah. in the first couple of books. Um, and I think in context of when it's written, like when the book is written, it's it's very much of its time. Yeah. Um, I think if she just called it like her curse or her power or it'll make more her, sense. Her ability. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but again, I think that's disability the time. in the they don't use the word disability in the TV series. No, they they so. just kind of refer to it as her thing yeah don't do that Suki. don't i you know i don't want I you don't to, to yeah um they always just kind of go Suki. i don't want you in my head yeah they never kind of give it a name mm. um, i kind of like that as well because they're not too sure what to call it yeah exactly so it kind of shows and it and that changes as well over time and she realizes yeah. what she has and um, how it can be useful and she can kind of control it. Because in the book she talks about um, having a guard and a barrier. Mm. But um, so I I'm I was really surprised when they did the Malot scene that they were she was listening because in the book she doesn't really do that ever. I think she it's it's in the first when we first introduced are introduced to her I think she's having a a rough night or something like that she's having a hard night and throughout the series you can tell when she's having hard nights because she is losing her ability to control it yeah um whereas other time and I don't think she can turn it off which is why she gets attracted to why she's attracted to Bill because he doesn't have brainwaves as he explains (laughs) no uh, the the boy is (laughs) empty-headed Um, which is why, which is why, she, like, part of his allure is that she doesn't have to hear people. Yeah, I th- and that's um, in the in the books. The way that she does describe it is is really nice. Like, you can hear her relief and her like, oh my god, I'm glad that I don't have to listen to him. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> nice. <laughs> penny for your thoughts. Oh, good. I don't have the penny to spare. <laughs> oh, good. I don't have to pay you. Sweet. I'm out. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. That's great. Let's go home. Um, in her section, we meet the Rattrays, who are these two uh, 
Just a ding, 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 ding. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's them. Uh, and when Suki walks over to their section, um, uh, what's his Mr. name? Mr. Rattray has Mr. some. Mr. Rattray says some very choice things. Oh, I got her boobs and I hate oh. him. I hate, okay, <laughs> I hate everyone bar like three people in this series, <laughs> and one of them is Pam. I love Pam. Do you know what's so funny is I hated Pam when I was a teenager watching this, and now I'm like, oh, I am Pam. <laughs> I relate. I relate yeah. too hard to Pam. <laughs> the, the rat trays. The rat trays say some really interesting things to Pam in, uh, about Pam. <laughs> just, let's just talk about Pam. Um, no, they say some pretty interesting things about Suki. Yeah. Um, they drop the R word, which I'm like, mm, again, in in context, context. of the time, wasn't super thing. great then, not great now. Um, we will not be using that language. We will not um, be saying those things. I am not an ableist and um, I hate that word more than anything. Oh, it's, it's not great. Like I, when I watched the the episode, I was like, oh, right, that's a thing. And I think, like you think if that used, word exists. <laughs> I think it was a choice then. Mm. Like, we weren't super keen on the hard R then. Like, it was it was still something people were using, but the language was evolving to realise that, yeah. yes, we understand that this word is not great. We ain't using no R words here. Yeah. Um, so I think I, the... Go. I have a thing. and I was talking to my partner after I watched this episode, and I said to him, I think they used it because they wanted to exemplify how bad these two people are. And I was like, you can do that without using ableist language. Like, you can do that without calling someone, like, that I think, I think you, I think it would change if it was being, if it was a remake. So if What's-His-Face was trying to do that now, like if Rattray, Mr. Rattray, I can't remember his name um, um if 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 he was being cast now or if he was being written now they wouldn't use that language his name is mac mac <laughs> there you go um but i think in 2005 the choice was very specific yeah um it would be the same if they were trying to use the c word which honestly love that word um i'm not but, yeah. there on it yeah, love the word. I think it's a very emotive word. Yeah. Um, but there are there are people I know who would who Probably would drop slap me up the yeah would slap me up the head for it. Yeah. Um, I think it's a very choice word to use to describe somebody's nature. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I I I don't forgive them now in context. Um, or in 2021 context, I can understand the choice in 2005 context. Yeah, absolutely. And, and especially I, and that's a lot in this show. Like that's going to happen a lot over the next couple yeah. months where we're going to be like, mm. yeah, there's, there's going to, there's going to be a lot of, mm, okay, there's, there's context in 2021, there's context in 2005 and there's context in early 1990s. Ah, exactly. And that's, that's <laughs> like, if you're able to notice that, then that's what's important about yeah. how like dialogue has changed in the way that we do. Yeah. And I think, I think that's important to understand that yes, dialogue has changed. We yeah. are exploring how words and especially it, it is important to understand that this show is, a discussion about race and gender and sexuality and all that kind of stuff and there yeah. are words to use to discuss that yeah. um and there are good people in this show and there are bad people in this show and they're going to use very descriptive words to convey that um and there's another scene in this episode where a customer sends back a burger 
Is it this episode? It's. No, I can't remember that. I can't. Re- oh, maybe it's not this episode. <laughs> am I just? Am I skipping ahead? I, I feel so. like it's this episode. Oh my god! I don't know. It's with it's with Lafayette. Maybe. Okay, so I'm gonna if it's next episode, it's next episode, but it relates to this conversation. Oh, okay, okay. Um, three rednecks walk into the bar and order food, and the burger gets sent back. Um, and it's because the patron doesn't want an AIDS burger. That is in this episode. Yes. yes. And it's because Lafayette, who is an openly gay black man, has made the burger. So Lafayette, being the sassy queen he is, comes out in the strong, like he is this very strong, very, it's weird, he sort of walks this line of hyper-masculine and hyper-feminine. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I, and I just, it blew my mind watching that when I was 18, 19, being like, who are you? I am yeah. fascinated. He is, he is an extraordinarily <laughs> fascinating character and it is a travesty of what happens to him in the books. I'm up to that in the book, and I'm just like, oh, fuck, I hate you. Yeah, it is, a travesty, it, is a stra- it is a travesty of what happens to him in the books. And he walks out and he goes, um, you're going to eat the food I serve you, licks the burger and slaps it in the guy's face because the guy goes, I don't want no AIDS burger. I'm an American and I get a say in whose food, who makes, makes my, my food. food. Yeah. And it is this really interesting scene because, again, it's this whole thing about, like, Americans being super interested in their rights but not understanding it. Yeah. Um, and Lafayette just going, boom. Enjoy and your slapping. Aid. Yeah, and, and basically enjoy this food that I made you and then just walking away. I love it. I'm like, I love this character. Yeah. I love, I love this character I, so Lafayette much. and um, his partner later on down the track are probably my yes. favourite people in the entire series. And I'm so glad that um, Alan Ball could see the um, importance of Lafayette. Yeah. And maintaining him in the series and um, giving him a really powerful storyline as well. So. Yeah. His, his voice I think is really, really powerful, especially as, a strong gay character, a strong black character, yeah. and a strong gay black character. Yeah. Again, True Blood being a progressive show for 2005, like mid-2000s, um, you didn't see a lot of gay characters. No, not at all. Um, you not didn't like see you're a lot watching of... Will and Grace and that's No, and they – and I loved Will and Grace and yeah. they felt to me very stereotypical – characters whereas Lafayette breaks out of that box and he's very yeah. he's um I I love it because he's very androgynous and he is very, very androgynous and queer and it's just such a like it's I love that they kept him in the show because like yeah I, yeah he's and just like phenomenal we understanding now that representation matters not only was he a openly gay character he was black as well and you didn't see that on TV, you don't no. and like, and, and that's why I love like as much as Tara infuriates me as well. Having a strong feminine or female black character as well, like having them both there, felt so important for two thousand and five. It's just like how it, it's just like Alan how Ball did this show understood. not get more like more discussion around it than it did? Yeah, absolutely. It felt like a lot of people slept on it. And the thing is, like both Lafayette and Tara have like this like side quest roles <laughs> in the books. There's hurdle like NPC side questy yeah. characters. Not but consequential have, in the books. Yeah, and that's again, like 
I, 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 it's a total travesty of how they were treated in the books. But again, for when the books were written, very sort of context of the time, and then for the show, very the progressive. Time. Yeah, totally <laughs> the opposite. Time. Yeah, because um, then we sort of we go Tara's scene, which I fucking love. That she's just in her, I think she works at like a Walmart or something similar. She works at like a Home Depot Home and she's Depot, sitting there just right. reading a book. In a deck chair in like a camping setup. And I was <laughs> like, that's so amazing. <laughs> she does not give a fuck. And she's like, the, the woman's like having this thing and she's like, I want to talk to your manager. And she's like, all right, why are you in and I remember that her manager is called Waylon because she screams it. She's like, Waylon? And then she's like, I don't, you ain't getting me fired. I quit. Fuck this shit. Boom. But I love how she's like, I should get my baby daddy in here to beat you up. And then, please, I mean, please don't do anything rash. Oh my God, I can't believe you think I have a baby daddy. Y'all so racist. She plays into every stereotype because she knows that she lives in this redneck bodunk town. That she's going to like protect herself. Yeah, absolutely. She knows she's got to protect herself and she knows that nobody else will. Yeah. Like she knows she lives with people who will protect her, but she's living with, and they're not microaggressions. They're not the same things that she would live with today. Like these are people who are openly racist. Yeah. Um, she's in like might, the hotspot of redneck racist film. Yeah, and and like despite the fact that again the show is not openly showing this, um, but the context surrounding it is there. Like we understand that um, while this woman in her bright purple pantsuit, um, <laughs> it's hideous, heinous even. It is. It is, I love that Tara is like, you just wanted an excuse to wear that somewhere. Did you, <laughs> yes. not, did you not think to call like, first? She's like, you just wanted to wear that ugly ass suit somewhere. And like, she's, she's <laughs> openly, she's openly talking about what these people are thinking. Yeah. Um, because the people who are thinking it know that they can't say it as much as they want to. So she's like, fuck it. I'm going to say it for it. you and I'm going to call you out on your shit. Yeah. I love, she cracked me up the whole, because she goes outside and calls Sookie at the bar and Sam, who is Sookie's boss, answers. And he's like, oh, God. <laughs> he's, he's 100% aware that, like, if she's in a mood, he's going to lose his bar. He's just like. Because she's going to come in and rip it down tooth and nail. And he, and Sookie, he's like, and then, uh, I love that. She's like. <laughs> Sookie's reaction is like, she knows not to call me at work. I am so sorry. Tara, fuck off. But she's like, I lost my job. And she's like, well, do you think? uh, Oh, she's like, I lost my job. But she asks her a question. Yeah, she's like, what are you doing tonight? And she's working. (laughs) But she's like, oh, she says something like, um, oh, Sookie says something like, you know, well, maybe if you didn't lose your temper, that wouldn't happen. And she's like, I didn't fucking ask you. But she did. <laughs> she's like, yeah, it's like, well, if I didn't have to work around, work around dumbasses or some shit, like she's openly just calling everybody else out. And yeah. it's like, listen, we all have to work in retail. We have all you know. done, we have all done our time, okay? But she we gets in the car and she's like, I need a margarita, a big one. And gets in the car, I'm like, feel that. I yeah, like, we yeah. Yeah, we've, we were all we were all Tara in that minute. We all have our Karen purple pantsuit wearing people. Oh, fuck me. And we all have our Waylands. <laughs> we all have our Wayland crosses to bear. 
Um, we, we sort of got off on a tangent. We were talking about the rat trace. Oh, but we, we're, we're still, we're, we're doing great. We're circled back to the bar. We're back at the bar. So We've got a margarita of- in hand. <laughs> Most of this scene happens at Merlot's, which I kind of like because Merlot's yeah. is like this uh, fundamental it's, place for the entire town. There's like there's like three main areas that True Blood happens. Yeah, it's like Sookie Bill's house, which is kind of there's sort Next of the one place. Yeah, then there's Merlot's and there's Fantasia. Fantasia. Yeah, um, these are these are the three sort of pivotal places that you need to remember. Yes. <laughs> But this it's scene just, I fucking love. But, like, draw out yourself a map. <laughs> the, the millions of listeners of our Club Dead podcast that I have assumed we have already amassed with our oh, chaos. Good. Of this, our chaos of episode one. Um, <laughs> draw well, yourself a map. We're bringing this. We need a map. Yeah. Um, so Suki goes over to the past to speak to Lafayette. And Lafayette says... You look like a porn star with that tan and pink lipstick. You got a date? And she says, no, when I wear makeup, I get bigger tips. And he says, yes, girl, let's hear it. These damn rednecks are suckers for packaging. Which is true. Honestly, if you've worked in hospitality for more than 30 seconds, you understand that people will just. And then she, she says something about like, and if I act like I don't have any thoughts in my head. I get bigger tips. Yes. I get bigger tips. And if that is not an indictment of anything. Yeah. But then she says, but if I don't, they're all scared of me. And Lafayette says to her, they aren't scared of you, honey child. They're scared of what's between your legs. I love this scene. Because, because this is when we meet Arlene, who is one of Suki's best friends, and I love Arlene. I adore Arlene. She's yeah. the person I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> yeah, me too. I want to be a friend of this other woman. <laughs> Yeah, minus maybe like the fourteen husbands. Um, yeah, yeah, no, no, but like no. I want to be a, a a redheaded southern woman who she's is beautiful. entirely proud. Of, yeah, who's like a little bit ditzy, but she's got a good heart. She really does. <laughs> and then I think bless her socks. There's someone else she's working with, and I can't re- I can't remember who it is. Uh, it might be um, it's one of Jason's conquests. It's Dawn. Dawn. That's right. It's Jason. Yes. It's yes. It's another one of Jason's girlfriends. Because Jason is a fuckboy. I hate Jason. Yeah. Not they're talking husband. about, um, uh, they're having like this raunchy sex talk at the moment. Yeah, because Arlene comes up and she like says to Lafayette, you wouldn't know what's between a woman's legs. That's right. And he's like, everybody knows about the pussy. Yeah. The power of the pussy or something like that. And that comes back to one of my issues with this fucking, se- with this fucking series. Sookie's goddamn magic pussy. <laughs> You will, hear me refer- you will hear me reference Suki's goddamn magic pussy throughout this podcast, and it will make more sense as the series goes on. It just- will make sense soon. Yes, I worry. promise. <laughs> but anyway, the, the power of the pussy. I love this because Lafayette says, your bitches just don't know what you're missing. I got six gears on these hips. And he's and like, he like humping, humping the fucking stove or something. <laughs> And then Arlene walks away and she's like like pushing up her boobs and she's like Peaches and cream. Peaches and cream, darling, peaches and cream. And then Dawn walks away and she's like making you want to slap it, making you want to slap. And again, sex positivity. It's mortified. <laughs> yeah, so he's like, I'm sorry. I'm a good southern girl. What are you all talking about? Because Suki hasn't lost her virginity. Yes. She is Suki, a Suki, yeah, Suki is a good southern girl. 
Because there's there's a scene, I can't remember if it happens in this episode or another episode, where she demands that somebody talk to her like the lady that she is. It's in this episode, yeah. There you go. I I, yeah. <laughs> I went and rewatched it so that I remembered. <laughs> because she's like, you will talk to me like the lady that I am. Or some, I, again, and she's I'm so, so powerful so many, in her delivery I'm going to do so many bad Southern accents and I apologise for nothing. <laughs> I don't want to hear apologies. They're useless here. <laughs> Unless you yeah. do something bad, then please do apologize. Yeah, I promise I will try not to. <laughs> so this is uh, Tara has come into the bar and she just sets up shop in there. Tara, Tara embodies the chaos of this, of this podcast. <laughs> Tara, Tara is our chaotic mascot. We need, like, we need to have just a picture of her as our, like, um, just put, just put a halo behind her with a big margarita in her head. Yes! I love it. Um, Patron saint so, and Patron. I love this scene. So they're all chatting and Bill comes in. And, um, and everything sort of slows down and stops. And yeah. it's a very pivotal scene. Mm. Because Sookie is so excited. She says... I this is the first vamp we've had in here since they came out of the coffin two years ago and she gets so excited and she does she goes over to Bill who's played by Stephen Moyer who is actually Anna Paquin's husband they're divorced oh what they they got so they met on True Blood I'm pretty yeah. sure I didn't know they had divorced um what Oh, no, okay, again, I'm telling lies. I thought they divorced. Oh, okay, I was going to be heartbroken because they're actually a really good-looking couple. Um, I thought, I swear to God, I thought they divorced. I'm telling lies again. Okay, they've been married um, no, for so years. they met on the set. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so they, they, they met on the set and have, apparently it was like, this was, a, a, from what you hear, they... That was what it was like when they met. Was everything had sort of slowed down. It was love at first sight, which I think is oh, very, I very love cute. That. That's so romantic. I know. And then it's really, really awkward when you watch their sex scenes because you're like, <laughs> you're like, should we be watching this? This is a private moment between a couple. They're married. But, I ah! <laughs> but I love it because it really it they have such good chemistry. Yeah. And like I love it when you can tell that actors have really good chemistry together. Um but yeah, I, I love watching them together. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, I keep telling lies on this. I thought they'd been divorced. <laughs> I should fact check my shit before my mouth runs off. I love it. I, I love it because you say something and then it's like an automatic, like, wait, no, I've got to check that. <laughs> oh, like, I'm lying. I'm telling lies. <laughs> I do that on, uh, on my horror movie podcast and I don't even fact check myself. I'm like, I could be lying. I don't know. Uh, so they have fraternal twins. Oh, that's so um, And through her marriage to Moya, she also has a stepson born in 2000 and a stepdaughter born in 2002. That's so lovely. Big family. So there you go. I love when she goes over to speak to him because she is just so excited and she's flirting with Belle and she's telling Bill about how um, Sam has ordered some true blood. It hasn't come in yet. And then, no, it had gone off. Oh, that's right, because nobody had come in. And then yeah, um, she says he even supports vampire rights. And Bill's like, how progressive of him. How progressive of him. I, I love I this. That. I love this scene because it really shows how, 
like pure Suki is quote unquote yeah. because she is trying like she's quite clearly not had any romantic or sexual interaction with a man. Well, she can't. Yeah. Um, because obviously like every interaction, like every date that she's been on, she would hear into their head. And like you explore this a little bit more down the track with when other romantic partners show yeah. up or whatever. Um, but like she's so it, it reminds me of when like you first start dating. And, and you have that, like, innocent flirty stuff. Yeah, but you yeah. don't know. But, like, when you first started dating when you when you were, like, a young teenager or whatever and you just didn't know how to do it. Yeah, no and, idea. And <laughs> words just came out like, <laughs> like they do when I'm like, yeah, they got divorced and you just, your brain does not fact check things. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Like, it could be lying. Who knows? It doesn't yeah. matter. But it's like, oh, you know, like we we had some true blood, but like we hadn't had any vampires come in, so it just went off. And you sit there with the biggest cheesy smile on your face because you're just like, you're so cute. Yeah, stop it. And you're trying to be really welcoming, and it comes off slightly unhinged. A little bit weird. (laughs) Yeah, because she does have a really fucking like sadistic smile as well. Because she just doesn't know how to smile. She's so excited to, one, meet this vampire, but, like, she doesn't – she's trying to be really welcoming and really accommodating because they've never had a vampire before and she's trying to show this terrified room that they're not scared because because the bill had come into Arlene's section. Yeah. And Arlene was like, I don't want to do it. Mm -mm, Mm. No, thank you. He's going to eat me. And she's like, well, I'll do it then. Like, they're not scary. Yeah. Um. And I love that Suki stood up and was like, well, I'm just going to fucking go talk to this vampire. It's it's whatever. Like, they're just other people. Yeah. Kind of, I guess. In it, somehow. They, they, have human, <laughs> they have human parts. They're just not working until yes. we find out that some of them do. How, what are the logistics on that? I don't know. They I'm have wiggling. blood. But, it do, but their hearts don't beat, so it doesn't flow. We're going to need to Google that and have a whole podcast episode about vampires. How do vampires? (laughs) Erections work. Vampire one-on-one. How does does Edward Cullen get it up in Breaking Bad? (laughs) I will read this for research later. I, I need notes. I will give you extensive ones. Just send me the link because I'll have to laugh about it later. <laughs> um, so the rat trays go and sit themselves with Belle, who has ordered a glass of red wine. Close um, enough to blood. Yes. And then this cuts back to where Jason Stackhouse is and he witnesses the vampire shapeshift and he freaks out. Yes. Um, and then we don't see them again after that. Uh, oh, well, later on, actually. Yeah. Um, so outside, uh, this is really horrible. I fucking hate this. Um, so, <clears throat> sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, you're like, this is really horrible. And your brain is like, nope, we're done. No, all right. So, so from what I remember, Suki goes to get the, the, the red wine and the rat trays introduce themselves to Bill. Bill. Yeah. Um, and 
What we don't know is that the rat trays are what is colloquially referred to as drainers. Yeah. So and they've they... been to jail for draining a vampire in the past. Yeah. So and Zuki what listens in and knows that about them. Yeah. Um, so what drainers are in True Blood is that they will kidnap or corner vampires um, to drain their blood because in True Blood, vampire blood is like a really potent drug to humans. It yeah. gives, it restores health. It is a really potent aphrodisiac. Um, it's basically like human Viagra, basically. Um, and vampires are susceptible to silver, yeah. um, which so is a, a some of the history historical um like vampire tropes that we do know yeah so it's later refer it's later revealed that they are susceptible to um garlic (laughs) um garlic they don't burst into flames when they're in churches or anything like that they are susceptible to sunlight as well they don't burst into flames or anything like that but they will eventually die um that kind of yeah they burn they sort of get really extra crispy chicken Uh, (laughs) um so the rat trays eventually lure bill outside um and then they pin him down with um silver like a really long silver necklace yeah i it's like a body chain it's a very 2000s body chain (laughs) i actually one of one of my favorite things about true blood is the special effects yeah um because it's later when suki spoilers um <laughs> this entire podcast is spoilers uh, <laughs> spoilers guys well, wait, um, spoiler alert <laughs> when suki pulls the the chain off bill it's like ooze and yeah, the skin pulls with the silver um, and the special effects in this are done really, really well, especially the physical ones, the ones that don't rely on CGI. The yeah. running is really the, the 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 quick movement is kind of janky, <laughs> but the physical special effects is done yeah. really, really well. Um, I love it. So Suki hears that the rat trays have gone to drain bill. She yeah. knows that they're out in the car park. Um, so Suki finds a chain in a open pickup of all places like yeah it's it's in the book it's her brother's chain and there's like a lot of like conversation about how she's like jason's gonna be so mad that i lost his chain because she takes the chain and she's listening to the rat trays so she knows what they're doing Mm. and i love this because um she runs over to them and she whacks Mac over the head with his chain. Beats and like, the shit out of him. She fucking wallops him and wraps this chain around his neck and, like, yanks him off Bill. And um, this is kind of another, like, we get the idea that there's something special about her with, yeah. the, telekine- uh, with the, the telepathy. But in the, <clears throat> excuse me, in the TV show, there's another hint that there is something special about her because it is heavily implied that she is wrapping the cord around uh, the chain around Mac's throat using tele- uh, telekinesis. Oh, okay. Um, that's what because you see yeah, when it looks like it's, it. it's tightening, so it's yeah. it's heavily in, it's heavily implied that she is doing that out of pure rage. Yeah, bit of a carry um, moment. Yeah. Um, and so Mac is sort of reduced to his knees. Um, after he kind of lunges at her with a knife, um, she picks up the knife and is um, Denise. And what she says, so Denise says to her, you don't want to be on my bad side. And Suki says, I'm not sure you even have another side, you no account backwards trash. 
<laughs> I was like, Sookie is like, Sookie Stackhouse. Sookie Stackhouse, you watch that? Do you kiss Adele Stackhouse with that mouth? <laughs> your your blessed southern grandmother, who's beautiful. My, my word. Um, yeah. So Sookie has this cursed exchange um, with so with Denise. Um, and he's like, you need to get the fuck out of here or I swear to God I'm going to gut you like a catfish. But um, that also threatens to kill her as he leaves, which is a bit foreboding. Yeah, basically. Like, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Um, and so they have this exchange. Um, the rat trays leave and Suki runs over to help Bill. And she's pulling up the chain in this very oozy goozy moment uh, the sound of it and like yeah it's, it it's very it's very visceral yeah um and again i love the special effects in this because it is all very visceral um so she pulls the chain up um and sort of is trying to help bill and then the rat trays come back in their little two-bit car <laughs> their little their little two-stroke motor car um and try to Run Sookie over. Oh, that's right. Before they leave, they try to yeah, run her over. Yeah, they're like, we're going to fucking kill you, bitch. <laughs> and they try to GTA her. Yeah, fail. Um, yeah, they fail. <laughs> um, because Sookie manoeuvres them out of the way in a very her- heroic moment. <laughs> um, and so we get this really private and this really beautiful moment, actually, Um by I think it's like a river. There's the moonlight beautiful. when the moon hits your vampire. I guess. Um, (laughs) (laughs) When the moon hits your eye. Um, They're like really, they're they're sort of getting to know each other. Um, And so he's having this private moment. She goes, I can't hear you. And she like jumps into his lap. I'm like, girl, you don't know him. But before that, she's like, I can't hear you. And he's like, thank you. Like louder. And she's like, no. What? He's like, no, I can hear you. I can't hear you. He's like, are you slow? Because that's the thing. Everybody just thinks she's slow because she's, like, trying to, like, process. She's trying to keep it out. Yeah, she's trying to keep out all these thoughts and just not react to people calling her names in their head or, like, thinking about all the ways that they would fuck her into a wall. Yeah, she's like, Um, I don't want to hear that. Yeah, no, I wouldn't either. I would be like, you'll need to keep that to yourself or I am going to kick you in a place that you do not want to be kicked. You don't want to find out. Yeah, no. Mm-mm. <laughs> um, so they sit there and they have this really beautiful moment and Suki asks Bill about, like, all of these vampire things um, and Bill's like, aren't you scared that I will hurt you? And so she wraps the chain around her around throat. Her. Yeah. Um, and she's like... <laughs> and I'm like, girl, he's just going to go... <laughs> Ben, he says, oh, but you have other very juicy arteries. And I cringed at this because I was like, She's like, there's one in your groin. And that's when she says, hey, you shut your nasty mouth, mister. You might be a vampire, but when you talk to me, you'll talk to me like the lady I am. Yeah. And Um, I was like, yes, but you fucking tell him. So this is the first kind of, like, this scene is really, really beautiful until we find out that Bill is a goddamn fuckboy. Because he says that, yeah. So it's kind oh. of the first. It's kind of the first glimpse that we sort of get into what Suki and Bill's relationship will be. Yeah. Um, mm. and it's a real juxtaposition to what, um, 
their relationship will be because they will have some really tender moments. Yeah. And then they're going to have moments where it's going to be really toxic as hell. Um, My favourite part is where Suki asks what his name is and he's like, (laughs) Bill. And she's like, like, what? (laughs) And he's like, I'm sorry, what? And she's like, Bill the Vampire? Vampire and he's like, what Bill? did you expect it to be? And she's like, Lestat, like Lestrade. Yeah, she's like, Basil or <laughs> yeah. Langford. She's like, I did not expect it to be Bill. And I'm like, dude, what <laughs> the fucking way to insult oh, a goddamn vampire? I love this because um, Sam is at the bar because Sookie's like, I've got to go. I'll, I'll be back. Yeah, and, and just like fucking runs off. And um, he hands his, like, um, him and Tara are talking and he basically says, I'll give you a job um, because she says, I'll look out for Suki. Yeah, but, like, she strong arms him into it. He doesn't really have a choice. She's like, okay, you need to give me a job because he offers her 20 bucks for helping out at the bar. Yeah. And she's like, I'm sorry, I worked for you tonight. And he's like, you poured two beers. <laughs> <laughs> I bitch, love it. This is, like, this what is are you <laughs> Yeah, like, one, this is Louisiana in 2005. Girl, you're lucky to be making a buck 25 an hour. Yeah. <laughs> two, you pawned two beers. But I love how he says it'd only be a matter of time before you went off on somebody. I, I don't want to drive customers away. And she's like, I only go off on st- on stupid people. And Sam's like, most of my customers are stupid people. <laughs> fair. <laughs> okay, fair, fair enough. Um, Jason rocks up to the bar because he's just had a night. Uh, Tara tries to flirt with him, but the, he's not interested. The look on Tara's face every time Jason ro- rocks up into a house, like rocks up into a room, is just, it reminds me so much of when, like, I just want somebody to look at me like that. Yeah. I I, I want my Jason to look at me like that. <laughs> he's probably like, oh, you again? <laughs> that's my partner my partner's like oh you're back for legal purposes that's a joke for the sake of my marriage that's a joke um, but like I, the, the, the look that Tara yeah. gives every time Jay, it's it's very like unrequited love and that's what it yeah. is Tara has a very complicated past with the Stackhouses because of a relationship with her mother and stuff yeah. like that um, and when Jason rocks up into the the bar the first time and Tara is like looking at him, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Because really, cause you're like, oh, he doesn't feel that way about you. Because he completely yeah. just is not keen. He's like, whatever. Yeah, because the first interaction we have with Jason, he is, is deep in a woman's thighs. Yeah. Um, and then the second interaction we get, they're having this really casual conversation and then Dawn shows up and he follows her home. Yeah. Uh, he's like, okay, I'll see you later, Tara, and throws some money at her and then leaves. Yeah, that's really it's sad. Really, it's really, really heartbreaking to see that. And it sort of continues for a while. Um, or, I mean, it continues up until I think like the second season. Yeah, where when Tara's kind of happen. in this limbo of how she's treated by Jason as well. Yeah, and I think that's a really important conversation to have as well about the respect you deserve from people yeah yeah like just basic baseline respect like if somebody is treating you like a doormat and you can identify that because she is quite clearly identifying that um by the way that she looks at him when he enters the room and the way she looks when he leaves 
she is quite clearly identifying the fact that she holds a candle for him and he keeps blowing it out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there's like quite clearly like they're, they're trying to have this really important conversation about just baseline respect for yourself mm. and making sure that you are being treated the way that you deserve to be treated. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, the next scene is where Suki goes home and she we meet her grandmother, Madel. Adele Stackhouse. She's so beautiful. Um, I she's, love this because Suki's talking about how there was a vampire in the bar and she's like, did he have fangs? Did he bite anyone? Adele, like, oh. Stackhouse, Adele Stackhouse is the most progressive person. Yeah. And she was like, do you think he'll come and, you know, talk to the descendants um, the of the glorious what dead? Are, the descendants of the glorious dead. I love, I love them. And she's like, oh, I think so. And she's like, but, you know, I don't think he'd be able to make it to a nine, uh, like a noon meeting at the library on a Thursday. And she's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go talk to them. Like she, And I love Adele as a character because you wouldn't expect a 60 or 70-year-old Southern lady to be as progressive as she is. Yeah, absolutely. And she's like, screw it. I'm going to go, you know, the, the, the descendants of the glorious dead. I'm going to go stick them in a church at eight o'clock at night. I think she misses the fact that it's a church. Uh, no, uh, in the book, Suki does mention something about it. Like, won't he burn, won't you burn or something? I think, yeah. I don't know if that happens in the there's, there's a there's a, there's a great, there's a great thing that happens in the, uh, like later in the episode, I think it is, or in the second episode when they have this meeting. Oh, it'll um, be next episode. Yeah. Yeah. But I love that. She's like, well, I want to have this meeting. I want to, I want people to interact more with this vampire. Um, but I also want to get the historical, information so i'm just gonna make it like i'm just gonna accommodate him yeah it's not something you would expect from that's cool she's a yeah. cool grandma yeah i want to be a cool grandma well, actually no i don't because i don't want kids i want to be a cool aunt so I'm, like I'm, the cool, I'm already the cool aunt it's yeah right. I'm, I'm the cool aunt. i'm gonna yeah like that's that's but i love i love adele stackhouse because she's like yeah. i'm waiting up for my grandchild after she's had a long shift at a bar like i want to make sure she gets home and she's got a cat I want to be a crazy cat Tina. lady. Yeah, I want to be a crazy cat lady. And then, like, so he's like, come on, Tina. And Tina just skitters sk- sk- off. I love it. I love it. Because at night, so Suki goes to bed and she wakes Make up in the middle sauce. of the night. This is saucy. <laughs> I love that gif of Eric where he's like, well, that was saucy. <laughs> that's, that's how we should release this episode of, well, that was saucy. <laughs> so. I love this because she like looks out at the window and Belle's just standing and I forgot how this whole scene plays out because she runs down there in her dressing gown and you know he was there and then he's not and then he shows up behind her and I hate, I hate it. She's trying to she's like calling out like I think she calls out for him but then she starts to get undressed. Yeah, because she's like, I didn't think this interaction, I didn't think, like, my first time would be, like, us having sex or something like that. And, and he's I'm like, like oh. who said anything about sex? And he, like, retract, like, his fangs, fl- like, flick out? Yeah, and then, like, he, like, bites her and then she wakes up. And I was like, oh, that's a, I forgot that was a dream. I forgot. <laughs> I was like, but again, oh, it's, why it's is sort he of, standing in the front? That's Bill. He probably is standing in the front yard like a weirdo. Again, it's sort of, it's sort of this baseline for their relationship because there is, again, this, vampire law of vampires claiming ownership over humans. Yeah. Um, and Bill later on says, Suki is mine. Mm. And that, that says to other vampires that 
Suki is off limits. You are not to touch her. That puts her under quote unquote Bill's protection. Yeah. But it is very much and and it just throws such toxic vibes at me. And I'm like, oh mm, yeah. Mm, 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 but in no saying that, that also relates back to what we were talking about about like vampire customs and yeah, and stuff. It's, yeah. And I get but, that, but it's also so toxic. It's <laughs> and I'm like, so like, yikes. It, it's, yeah, and, like, Suki very much rebels against it for a long time because she's like, what do you mean, like, I am yours? And he's like, oh, you know, yeah, like, Bill explains it and she's like, mm, still yeah. not okay with that. Like, I'm my own person. Like, yeah. Suki very much comes off as a feminist. She does. In a lot of, yeah. Um, so the next morning, I love this because she's out sunning on this chair with, like, a, like, um, what's those, the, the aluminium? The sunscreen. And the sun. The, yeah, thing. it's like a sun mirror or something. Yeah, I don't know what they're called because we don't use them here. Um, and Jason comes over and he's talking about how the rat trays were like beaten up, and he's like, "I didn't know that you, you know, beat up the rat trays." And she's like, "Well, didn't he? Didn't you know that like, um, um, like he pulled a knife on me?" And that's when Jason kind of softens and he's like, "Well, do you want me to? Do you want me to beat him up?" And she's like, "No, I already took care of that. Don't worry. I already did that. It's fine. Don't worry about it." Uh, and then he, she also says, "Well, I was." looking after um bill because they were trying to drain him and i love that he's like uh so what does this vampire look like is is he bald does he have any tattoos because that's the vampire he saw in mordet yeah he's like uh did he happen to fuck one of my girlfriends um so they go back inside uh because the grandmother calls him in to have lunch and Mm. adele gets a call being uh, advice that Mordette Pickens has been strangled in her own home um, and Jason's panics yeah because that's the woman he was with and mm-hmm. he calls her a fangbanger like oh Mordette was a fangbanger who we find out is um, people who have sex with vampires vampires yes and it's kind of used as a derogatory term it's very much slut shamey yeah um, and it's very slut shamey towards women. You hear it used indiscriminate, like you hear it used towards men and women, but it's very slut shamey towards women. Yeah, definitely. Um, because Jason used it towards her when they were having sex, and he noticed the the fang marks on her thigh yeah. to start with. He called her a fang banger. Yeah. Yeah, and she's like, "No, fuck you!" Like it was the best sex of my life. Like I'm not going to be called that. Yeah. by someone like you like some little boy i think he actually i think she actually calls him like a little boy or something yeah. like that she does say something she does um yeah emasculate him yeah um because he tried to slut shame her and she's not having any of it yeah um, absolutely and i think adele calls jason out on it as well she's like no you won't use that language in my house or you're not yeah. going to speak about the dead like that or something like that as well yeah it was and, and that's like another point for adele on being so incredibly progressive and like not tolerating yeah exactly it's bullshit <laughs> um what i love about this scene is suki walks over to him and grabs his head to hear if he did anything mm-hmm. or, or something because he he does he acts really shady yeah and she's like i'm gonna listen in and he gets so aggressively angry and look jason's probably another one of those toxic relationships that sookie has um because he's just he i mean he does have a really great character arc over time um yeah he sort of unfortunately like a lot of the characters in this don't have like they have good character arcs they don't have great redemption arcs jason does (laughs) i i feel like he does yeah, I think he he has one of the better redemption arcs. 
Um, but like a lot of them sort of end up really being muddled in things. And you're just like, was that your redemption? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> his his redemption his redemption arc, one of his redemption arcs is really, really good, but like his one with Suki, like there's just things that like he still he still ends up being a really toxic character. Yeah. Um, he's worse in the books. Yeah, which is really, really bad. But yeah, like Suki grabs him, like I think she grabs his head or grabs like grabs yeah. and he just pulls back, he recoils and he's like fuck you, you're like, you can't do that to me. Um, and that's an ongoing theme that, like, everybody sort of knows what Suki can do and... Don't talk about it. <laughs> yeah, and they're just like, no, my thoughts are off limits. Yeah. Um, and I think Suki knows that. Like, Suki is acutely aware and she tries to keep the thoughts out, um, but, like, she can't help it. Yeah, and I think that scenes like this <clears throat> that kind of go to show that she won't tolerate people lying to her or minimising... Mm something that they could be involved in. And so she will actively go and find out what the hell's going on And yeah. with Jason. So in the books, um, she talks about how with some people, she can't hear their thoughts unless she's touching them. Yes. And so I think Jason might be one of those people that she can't really hear him. I think it's grabs him. Or like I has think contact. it's more to, I, I think the way that they pose it in the TV show is to hone in on a thought. Yeah. So she might be hearing Adele and Jason, but if she wants to isolate Jason, yeah. she will do that. Latch on. And that makes sense. That that really does make sense. Um, I don't think they I don't think they actively talk about it until later on, if ever though. Yeah, yeah. Um, he gets a phone call. Um oh, oh sorry, he's at work. Later, so we see him being he's at work. He gets a phone call. Um, and he's talking to Dawn, and they're going to meet up later, obviously, and have sex. And two sheriffs pull up. It um, sheriff's deputies. It is uh, Andy Belfour, Andy Belfour, and Sheriff Dearborn. And so they pull up, and they're asking him about more debt. He denies even knowing that she was murdered, but then he's like, "Okay." I know she was murdered. My grandma told me. Oh, and by the way, I was also at her house last night having sex. And they're just he like, like, yeah, he we denies, know. He like straight up denies knowing her, and then because he's like, oh yeah, yeah, I could do so much better than her. Oh yeah, no, I did. I did kind of meet up with her last night. Oh yeah, no, this did happen. Mm, yeah. Oh yeah. And then Grand told me that she got murdered. He sort of like really sets they they set him up as a fool guy very early on. It becomes very yeah. obvious that he obviously didn't do it. But that's where they're going. Like that's yeah, where and they set him up as rabbit. pretty stupid. Yeah, which he is. Uh, he he is a hundred percent. Like they 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 set him up as the muscle. Like he's got more muscles than brains, and like that's that's totally fine. He's meant to be the southern muscly dude. Yeah, and he fits the whole stereotype as well. Um, and they say, yeah, we we freaking know you were there because we saw your sex tape that you made with Mordet Pickens. Um, and they basically uh, arrest him because yep. it gets um, it gets back to everyone at Merlot eventually. So at the bar, Tara is serving. It's, oh. it's worth noting that Jason did not know that Mordette was also making the sex tape. Yes. Also that, yeah, he didn't know because his reaction is very like, what sex tape? Yeah, he, he didn't know that he was being filmed, which is a crime, by the way. 
Yep, everyone, just so you know, you have to let the other person know that you are filming. Consent is key. Absolutely. And it is not a milkshake. <laughs> what? It's not a milkshake. I've Consent is not. Uh, it's the the New South Wales. Uh, the federal government made that. Oh stupid. no. Okay, <laughs> I know. Uh, I think I just blocked that out of my brain. <laughs> I just really blocked it out. Uh, I was just like, I don't want to fucking say that again. Um. Anyway, I Tara finds out. I fucking love this scene because Tara's sitting at the bar with her feet up reading a book, and Lafayette comes in to tell her that Jason's been arrested. Um. And <laughs> He's like, what the fuck are you doing here? And she's like, I work here. And he's like, oh, no, Hooker, no, you don't. I just love that he's just like Hooker. He, anyone is Hooker. Yeah, anyone he's not happy with is Hooker. He's like, Sam Neard, you know, Sam's lost his fucking mind if you're working here. And it's it's, it's like, it's, oh. <laughs> and then his next reaction is get a shot glass, get the tequila, pour himself a tequila and just shot that bitch back. Go. I love that. <laughs> And he's in this fucking fabulous kilt, by the way, in this scene, Yes. Which I, I love. It looks, and he's just paired it with like a mesh shirt and like a, he wears like a silk scarf on his head and I'm like, I fucking love it. The fashion in this slays me because everything that Lafayette wears like is super iconic. There's yeah. one where, there's one where he is doing a dance for his website and he's wearing a bright gold g-string oh, in yeah. lowrider like lowrider <laughs> cargo jeans i love it but also like tara only wears like tight fitting three-quarter length or like half length jorts yeah and like layered singlet tops are they setting her up to be a queer character i don't know no i can't say anything i can't that was me in like night when I was like fifteen, but like so she she was and then there's like denim mini skirts, yeah, and more and odd more choices. layered and like more layered tank tops. That was really popular then though. Yeah, and I'm like I actively remember all of this, and then you get to mm. like all of the people in Fantasia, like all of the emo kids in Fantasia, and I'm like y'all just need to learn how to do your fucking eyeliner better. Jesus Christ. Two thousand and five. They. <laughs> oh no, no i actively remember doing my eyeliner like that it was like you warmed up you warmed up your coal your coal fucking eyeliner just a little bit so it smudged nicely oh i could smudge mine with my finger i'd be like Ooh, yeah get you yeah no it was just it was just so it warmed up just a little bit so you could oh. just kind of get in there oh i love it i never did that oh god i wasn't allowed to play with fire Oh, I may have I I may have stolen my mum's like <laughs> fucking lighter. Oh no! Um, and there oh, were God. like you see the people in Fantasia, and it's like mesh shirts and denim vests, and that. oh, there's like, like one still. <laughs> there's like one woman in the bar, like when they first go into Fantasia, and she's wearing like cross nipple tape, and I'm just, yeah. I'm like, oh, bars, man. I'm in it. I'm in it. I'm about it. Um, Please never let me see you with like cross nipple tape. Oh, uh, <laughs> no, because that'll hurt taking it off. Ugh. Ow. <laughs> I like anyway, it. less about the fashion. I love, <laughs> but the fashion in this slays me. It's so, it's so of the time. It really was. I love it. So Dawn and goes like, and tells Suki about this, and I love how she's like, "You didn't know," and she's like, "I'm." <laughs> 
telepathic, not fucking. No, she yells out, I'm not fucking psychic. Yes. Like you kind of are. You kind of are. But I love that because they're just like, what? Because Dawn knew and um, like everybody in the bar knew and they were like, no, we can't tell Suki. Yeah. And then Dawn came up and was like, oh, I'm sorry about your brother. And then she's like, what "What about my brother? And she's like, oh, I just figured you'd know. (laughs) What? It was was the worst game of telephone. Yes, because she goes over to Hoyt Fortenberry, who I I love Hoyt in this. Hoyt is, Hoyt, and again, Hoyt starts off great and ends up like a toxic fuckwit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Uh, (laughs) But I like him in season one. Um, Season one. Season one, Hoyt is so pure. Yeah, because he's just like, oh, you know, um... You know, it's it's a mistake because Jason's a real stand-up guy. And Suki's like, no, he's not, Hoyt. He's a fuckwit, Hoyt. What the he's fuck? selfish, egotistical, and a complete horn dog, but he is not a killer. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I like that. My favourite part is that, like, Jason's always like, well, I don't want to fuck her. Do you want to go fuck her? I'll give you my seconds. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, a complete girl. stand-up guy, Hoyt. Nice. I love that. So she turns around and sees Bill. Um, she can hear Tara judging her. And Sam, who in the books, she cannot hear Sam's thoughts. Interesting. I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah in the books, she can't hear Sam. Um, so a uh, little, little thing about there, about maybe something special about Sam. 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 But this, for another time, Bill says to her, what are you? And she's like, um, yeah, that's like the third time you've asked me. I'm just a waitress. Uh, I'm just a waitress. And I was like, I love that, Suki. And he says, can I call on you? And I loved that. I was like, that's kind of nice. Because he's, he's a very stuck- southern gentleman. He's really stuck back in like 150 years ago. Like, even though he's been trying to mainstream and even before that he would have been spending time with other vampires, yeah. he would have caught up to date with how people are speaking to each other. But obviously well, that's not. The, that's the thing, because we don't really know what who he was hanging out with because you see a lot of vampires and the ones you've he's been hanging out with you don't sort of see mainstreaming yeah true true they don't um and so like they may not be they may still be calling on each other (laughs) we don't know (laughs) but they um they actually she says yes you can meet me after work because I've got a favor to ask you about um, from my grandma. And he like he's like, yeah, cool, no worries. I'll meet you after work. Um, and he he sits closer to her and asks if she realizes that everybody in the room is staring at them. And she says, I don't care what they think. And he says, yes, but I want to make Bontemps my home, so I care. And so Aww. he and then so he leaves. Um, Sam grabs her by her arm and drags her into the back room. Sam already in this episode. I'm like, you're a fuckwit. Yeah, I I like Sam sometimes. He has interest, again, he's another character who has really interesting redemption arcs and, like, story arcs. Um, I really don't like him for a couple of episodes. Yeah, this is one of those Um, episodes where I'm just like, you need to mind your business. Yeah, he, he's opening episode he really comes off as a controlling asshole yeah um and it's because he has very open feelings for Suki. Yeah. for Suki. like he openly says you can listen to my thoughts in the tv show um 
he's like, oh, yeah, you can totally listen to my thoughts. And she's like, I don't want to. Like, I don't want to oh, listen to anybody. Yeah. Yeah, but she's like, I don't want to listen to anybody. Like, I don't want this. What makes you think um, I, I, I want that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and he's, I think, like, in that he's, like, trying to be open with her about how he feels because he doesn't want to, like, openly admit to her that he like likes her or is in love with her yeah because he's actually thinking some kind of weird things not weird but things she wouldn't appreciate hearing and he's like thinking about how he'd wonder how she smells yeah there's some really weird shit that happens and especially with like the way that sam interacts with women in this yeah interesting choices for sam's characterization yeah to, to um to to tv show but i love this because tara busts in and she's reading the riot act (laughs) (laughs) it's an an interesting way to separate your boss and your best friend uh but then she also uh gets upset at sookie and sookie's like don't you you're like basically fuck off like i can make my own decisions which is fair because everybody yeah. seems to infantize her. Yes, everyone treats everybody her like she's treats, an idiot. Yeah, well, everybody treats her like she's an idiot. Everybody treats her like she can't make her own decisions. Everybody treats her like she's a child. And I can understand how appealing Bill would be. Yeah. Because Bill is the only person who seems to treat her like an adult. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, like, having this person come in treating you like you're a little bit sexy and not treating you like you're an object, not treating you like you're a bomb to go off. Yeah. And that's a big thing as well. Everybody treats her like she's about to explode. Um, I can understand the appeal in that. Yeah, absolutely. So like telling, like telling your boss to fuck off, telling your best friend to fuck off. Um, not that I would ever do that. I no. like my best, my best friend and I have an understanding on an atomic level. Like we are the same side, like two sides of the same coin. But Tara doesn't understand Suki. Yeah. Ta- like, Sam doesn't understand Suki. Bill seems to understand her. Um, and despite I'll be the fact patient that- in getting yeah. to understand her. Yeah. Like, in that, like, I can understand why Suki seems to get so frustrated with people mm. and why just being like, you'll need to leave me the fuck alone. Oh, yeah. And let me make my own decisions. Get away from me. Yeah, and especially when your boss seems to control you like your, like he's your father or your partner, like her partner. Like, no, that's gross. Get away from me. Yeah, yeah, and and that yeah. does get worse as the show goes on, which is really yeah, unfortunate. I really don't like that narrative line. No, um, but I'm glad they explore it because it, you know, adds depth, I guess, to to Suki as well. In yeah, it definitely decision making. It definitely, like, it adds depth. And, like, we say that we don't like it. Just because we don't like it doesn't mean it isn't a worthy storyline. Yeah, absolutely. There are definitely worthy storylines that need to be explored. And, like, it just because they're not nice to talk about doesn't mean that they aren't worthy. Oh, they're unimportant. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so after work, uh, Suki leaves. Sam goes back to his... Uh, trailer because he actually lives on site at Merlot's and she waits for Belle. Convenient. She, she hears a noise in the woods and goes to investigate. It's the rat trays waiting for her. Dun dun dun! Uh, they knock her down. They absolutely kick the fucking living daylights out of her. It is a really brutal yeah. scene. It is 
grotesque. I feel like um, they handled it very well, though. It is, again, like, it is a credit to the special effects artists as well. It is a brutal scene. Yeah. And it is, the, the bit that gets me, though, with it is where they're kicking the shit out of her and then they make out. They get off on it. And, again, they're depraved. Depraved. Yeah, it is depraved. (laughs) It is is just, like, it's such a visceral scene. Yeah. Um, And so Suki's, like, lying there in the dirt and they are kicking her and the noises of, like, them kicking her. And, And, like, ribs breaking. Yeah, and, and, like, her spitting up the blood and then they're like, I fucking love you. And they're, like, making out and I'm like, Sorry, my on my Tinder date like list, it is not kicking the shit out of somebody who wronged me. Yeah, and then <laughs> and then things get weird. People vanish. Oh yeah, because somebody because somebody That's shows up. Two. <laughs> so the episode ends with Suki laying there, hopeless and bloody. And I mm. kind of like that they left it at that. Yeah. That was I, cool. Yeah, it sort of, hang on, it sort of adds this, like, we we leave her, she's like, I'm not helpless, I'm not alone, like, I am this strong, independent woman who doesn't need no man. And then she's lying there in the dirt needing help, needing somebody to come and rescue her. It's this really cool juxtaposition. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I feel like she doesn't let herself get in that position again. No, and it's not, it's not one that she, like, often lets herself get in anyway. She's often somebody who, like, when she first confronts the rat trace, she's prepared. Yeah. She doesn't let herself be caught off guard. And because she's got this power, she's not really ever caught off guard. Yeah, true. And so it was really interesting that they were able to get her at that point. At that point, yeah. Okay, so episode one. Um, in 2021, would, if you were watching it, fresh for the first time, would it get you hooked? Would uh, you go back for more? Yeah, absolutely, because we're not on the Bill Toxometer yet. <laughs> we haven't met the toxic relationships. Yeah. So this one I'd be like, okay, this is really interesting. Because it's like it's a fresh take on vampires, I think, because we haven't quite met them yet. Yeah. They're, they're not Buffy vampires. They're not like what we last saw from vampires, I think, in the mainstream culture, which was, um, I want to say, um, Edward Cullen. Um, (laughs) Oh God. Yes. That I can't even, I can't even, um, think of it. Twilight, that one. Oh no. I've completely completely (laughs) just rage blocked it from my head. Um, I think, I think that like, I think that that's, like the last sort of main, like we've got like vampire diaries and stuff like that, but I think yeah. like the last real um, sort of main showing of vampires was like Twilight and that kind of thing. So I think like it would be a different showing of like vampires in 2021. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, what so I think you? like I, I don't know. I think I would, but I also like really pulpy sort of not great TV shows. Like I love Riverdale. <laughs> Oh, okay, that's fair. I don't really I, – I tried to watch it, but wasn't super into it. Um, So, like, I I would love to see this. Like, I love those kind of – and, like, I like Sabrina and stuff like that, like the, yeah. the Netflix Sabrina. So, like, I like those kind of pulpy supernatural shows. Yeah. Um, 
So like, I think I would probably go back and be like, okay, I kind of want to see another episode of this and see where it goes. Yeah. You've got kind of a murder mystery in there a little bit. You've got some supernatural stuff going on in there. Um, and yeah, it's another, it's another take on, um, it's another take on vampires. Like that's not necessarily a bad thing. (laughs) No, I love it. Yeah. Um, also I kind of love how tame the first episode was. Yeah. Like the blood was really cool though. Yeah, and for, like, having sex in the first 15 minutes. (laughs) But, like, despite the fact that you had fairly realistic, fairly quote-unquote hardcore sex in the first 15 minutes of the show, it wasn't overwhelming, Mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, You've got interesting characters, interesting writing, um, and it's setting... camera techniques extra like filming the special effects yeah really good excuse me interesting special (laughs) effects um and it's kind of setting up for something really interesting yeah um with like the um the vamp the vampire league um and that kind of thing like they're saying you know we're we've just come out of the coffin like you don't see that very often so i would probably go back yeah me too absolutely cool so that was well Strange Love. That was, yeah, Strange Love, episode one of Club Dead. Oh, how exciting is that? <laughs> Go team us. <laughs> um, we don't have an outro, um, so please listen to this hijinxed um, rendition of the theme song. <laughs> <laughs> Continue for more chaos. Come back next episode. We'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. Don't know who you think you are, but before the night is through.